Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today the uh, business is at hand is how it is that you nurture the relationship between two countries that are two of the strongest uh, international international partners. Uh, and in this case, uh, neighbors, it's the relationship between the U.S. and Canada. And it takes uh, a lot to nurture that relationship. Uh, and we're going to hear from the Council General of Canada, Nadia Theodore, who oversees the Canadian Council Office located in Atlanta, who will share insight into council, uh, into the consulate uh, operations. Thank you, Madam uh, Council General, for uh, joining us here on America's Web Radio. Do we have you, uh, Madam Council? Um, okay. Um, let me see if we can uh, pump up the volume. Uh, Dave, I don't have Nadia. Nadia, are you li- on? Nadia? Do we have Nadia Theodore on the line? She was brought in. I can't tell you what she was doing on the other Um, Can you hear us, uh, Madam Council? Can anyone hear her? No. No. Okay. Do we need to have her call in again? Um. We did have her for a moment. Yeah, she's on. I mean, she's hooked up. I can't tell you what she's doing on her end of the phone. Okay. Um, it seems that we have uh, lost uh, Council General uh, Nadia Theodore uh, with the Canadian Council. Maybe she'll uh, be calling back, and hopefully she can hear us. Um, but we can't hear her, so... Uh, uh, Let's have her call back in. Um, I will attempt to uh, reach her as I'm talking about this uh, very important relationship between our two countries. Um, what I can do is uh, switch uh, temporarily to a uh, discussion with our other two guests. Uh, we have also joining us from the uh, Atlanta Canada Fest. Marty Seed, the founder of the host organization Atlanta ATL Canadians, and Hafiz Fasal with Fourscore Capital Partners of Raymond James, and I want to welcome the two of you to our program and pardon our our glitch. Um, it seems that uh, we may have uh, Madam Council General Nadia Theodore back on the line. Do we have you, uh, Madam? Uh, I, I think you. I think you do, Rod. How are you? Well, thank you very much. Uh, welcome to the business hour, and thanks for taking the time to be on the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, just before we uh, connected with you, um, I introduced um, Marty Seed of the uh, Atlanta Can- Canada Fest, uh, and I also introduced uh, Javis Fazal with Fourscore Capital Partners uh, of Raymond James uh, to the program. Welcome uh, to both you gentlemen, and thanks for being with us here in the studio. Thanks for having us on, Rob. Pleasure to be here. Um, We're going to turn back to you, Madam uh, uh, Council General. Uh, 
In the beginning of the program, I set this up as uh, a program that is about the nurturing of the relationship between the U.S. and Canada. And that relationship is one of the longest standing, really good neighbor uh, relationships. Uh, In spite of anything that's gone on recently politically, uh, I think that the overwhelming uh, majority of the the U.S. and Canada both feel like we are two very good neighbors. Would you agree with that, uh, Madam Counsel? Ron, first of all, I insist that you please call me Nadia. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Uh, and to answer your question, you are 100% correct. Canada and the United States have, if I dare say so, as my current Prime Minister and Prime Ministers before and my Minister of Foreign Affairs has said numerous times, the strongest, deepest, and longest-running peaceful relationship between any two industrialized countries. We have fought wars together. We fought World War I together. We fought World War II together. Uh, the United States joined Canada two years after Canada was part of World War II, and we were happy that you did, and we fought that war together. Our troops today train together, some right here in the Southeast USA, but also across Canada as well and abroad. And our relationship in terms of business and trade really contribute to a win-win for both countries. You know, in fact, a a lot of folks uh, are aware that uh, Canada was with us in the D-Day invasion at Normandy, but they're not quite aware of uh, the magnitude of that operation. And there was a significant presence uh, of the Canadians uh, on D-Day at Normandy. And in fact, there if I'm not mistaken, there are tens of thousands of Canadian troops uh, in Afghanistan working uh, alongside of the Americans. Is that is that correct? That's indeed correct. We have fought together in Afghanistan and in numerous uh, contemporary conflicts around the world. Around the world, and a lot of people also don't know the story of Gander, Newfoundland. So on 9/11, when the planes were diverted because of that tragic event. Um, that took place in New York uh, and in Washington. Gander, Newfoundland, that has a very, very small population, actually landed numerous of the planes that had to be diverted, and several hundreds of people stayed in Gander, Newfoundland for about two weeks. Um, And so that's another example of Canadians and Americans stepping up during times of crisis to help each other out. You know, I, I do recall uh, that uh, specific uh, development, uh, and, uh, and as I recall, there were a lot of Americans who felt uh, extremely welcomed by uh, the Newfoundland uh, uh, people, uh, the Canadians uh, that took uh, the Americans in for those couple of weeks. And uh, to me, that's uh, characteristic. Um, I was speaking with uh, uh, Faziz or uh rather, Javiz Fasal and with Marty C. prior to the program and telling them that, you know, my experience has been 
that the Canadians that I've met both here and abroad and in uh, uh, outside of uh, North America and in Canada have always been uh, the nicest, uh, not just polite, but genuinely uh, nice uh, people. And uh, I, I would say that that's probably the uh, the uniform uh, experience of most uh, Americans. You know, there could be exceptions. Uh, that is a stereotype that we will gladly take. <laughs> and if people want to know a little bit more about this, uh, about Gander, Newfoundland, um, and and the Americans and, and folks from, from other countries as well that were welcome there, there was actually a Broadway play, Come From Away, that was actually done um, and influenced by those events. Oh. Now so that... I would, I would encourage people to check it out. That w- uh, I was not aware of. Um Let's let's talk about uh, the uh, mission of the uh, the consulate office here in the southeastern United States. Would you give us a, a, a sort of a broad brush overview of what uh, the the office of the the consulate uh, uh, does here in uh, Atlanta, in Georgia, and in the southeast? Absolutely. So the office is based in Atlanta. We have one office in Atlanta. And I also have two honorary consuls who work with me, one in Memphis and one in Raleigh. And so the office is based in Atlanta, but responsible for six states across the Southeast USA. So Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, North Carolina, and South Carolina. And our number one reason for being here is really to provide consular services to Canadians. And so that means when Canadians who are traveling across the Southeast USA or living and doing business here across the Southeast USA need our help with something, i.e. they've lost their passport or they've gotten their passport stolen or they've, you know, gotten into to some trouble perhaps um, with, uh, with the authorities, we are their first line of contact in order to help them get the resources they need um, to move forward with whatever issue they're facing. We issue emergency passports here for people who have lost their passports um, or have had their passports stolen. Um, that will allow them to then do the necessary to get a permanent new passport via offices in New York, LA, or Washington. And then secondly, we are an office that helps Canadian businesses that are looking to export to the Southeast USA and or to do business and set up investments here in the Southeast USA. And that's something that I like to talk about because a lot of people don't know that that is one of my my second main mandate. Besides helping Canadians in distress, um, you know, I am responsible for helping businesses basically contribute to the economic development um, of the Southeast because companies come here, they start exporting their products here, and before you know it, they might want to open up an office here. Um, and when they open up an office here, they employ uh, Southeast USA citizens. Um, and so I like to make sure that people understand everyday people understand that Canada has a very strong footprint across the Southeast um, and, of course, across the United States, and that we are really helping um, to contribute to the economic growth uh, and well-being of, of, 
the of the of the southeast. Now, do you have any idea, uh, 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 in general, uh, of how many country, uh, or rather, how many companies from Canada that, that are that, that are, there are in the southeastern United States? Oh yes. So I mean, if I go um, state by state, there are over one hundred in Alabama, over three hundred in Georgia. My memory is failing me. Over. 200 in North Carolina, uh, another 100 in South Carolina. Um, who am I missing here? Uh, Tennessee, another, about another 100 companies. So we have, I mean, if you were to add it all up, we have, you know, the better part of a 1,000 Canadian companies across the Southeast USA. And I have to say that those are companies um, that we know about. Right? And so what often happens, especially for small and medium-sized enterprises, mom-and-pop shops, you know, so to speak, that come and open up, we don't know about them. Not all, A lot of the time, the thing about Canadians and Americans is that we kind of blend in together, right? Um, and so that footprint of about 1,000 companies across the Southeast USA, those are companies that we know about that are medium to large-sized enterprises and that are employing um, a significant number of, of, of U.S. citizens in their operations. You, you mentioned uh, Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Are, is that where you, uh, where you focus? Is that the, are, is that the um, uh, does that fall uh, under the range of uh, states that the so southeastern my, office? Yes, yeah, so my territory covers six states. So it's Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Got it. Um, how many uh, consulates are there uh, around the country, Canadian consulates? So our footprint is 13 offices. So that includes the embassy in, the United, in Washington and then 12 consulate generals um, across the United States. You mentioned uh, supporting Canadian businesses, uh, and I would assume that you support them in in, in a few different ways. Um, What if I'm an American business and I want to do business in Canada, um, and I'm not even sure. Let's just say I'm I'm thinking about uh, having a presence all the way on the West Coast in Vancouver, or maybe I want to be in Montreal. Is that something that you also uh, can help an American business with? So that's a very good question. So what we say to American businesses is that you should absolutely feel free to reach out to the office uh, so that we can help direct you. The great thing about the United States is that you, too, have the same type of offices that I represent here uh, in Canada. So the United States has a similar office as mine here in the Southeast, in Toronto, for example, uh, and in a few other places across Canada. But what I say to people is, as a first point of contact, if you are an American company in the Southeast and you were looking to do business uh, in the U.S., in, in Canada, and you don't know where to start, give us a call. We are friendly <laughs> and approachable, uh, and if we aren't the right people to help you, we can point you in the right direction. 
Yeah, I've actually uh, talked to uh, a few uh, American uh, individuals representing companies that have had a, a, a pretty good experience in dealing with uh, the office here. It's been in years past, but uh, I think you've, their experience was that same friendly, polite uh, uh, support uh, that we uh, alluded to earlier. Um, let's uh, talk about the role of uh, the, both the office and your, your personal role as general uh, counsel, uh, or rather counsel general. Um, Nadia, you consider uh, communication, and which, which is, uh, works hand-in-hand with educating uh, people about uh, the role of the consulate uh, and about the nation of Canada. Uh, and today we're going to be talking also about the uh, Canada, uh, or the Canada, the Atlanta Canada Fest that we're having tomorrow here in Atlanta. Um, I'll probably say this again, but it's uh, here in Sandy Springs over at Meehan's, um, which uh, Marty Seed has a uh, direct connection to, but we'll get into that in the second half of the program. Programs or events like uh, Canada Fest are something that you consider to be uh, important in terms of having a presence and using uh, the events uh, like this as a forum for communicating and for educating. Would that be a fair statement? Absolutely. I mean, so uh, you, you said it absolutely correctly, Ron. Um, so, you know, part of my job is to um, communicate to folks across the Southeast, to business leaders and to political leaders across the Southeast, just how important the Canada-U.S. relationship is. Um, and the Consulate General holds several events that, is geared, that are geared towards um, bringing in business leaders from around the Southeast <coughs> and political leaders to educate them about what they frankly already know about the deep and important relationship. But something that we, you know, don't do enough of, um, partly because it is taxpayers' money, um, is the fun stuff, right? So just bringing together Canadians across Atlanta and across Georgia and across the Southeast to have some fun um, and to experience a little bit of Canada home away from home. And then, frankly, to invite our American friends to join in that fun, um, and, and, and create, you know, a bond between Canada and the United States that is premised on enjoying some art and some entertainment. And I think that um, Canada Fest and events like that that happen across the Southeast are perfect to do that. You know, I, I dare say that uh, when Marty Seed and uh, a couple of others in the early stages of creating the uh, Atlanta Canada Fest, uh, when he was putting together the uh, the network of Canadians to form ATL Canadians, um, that uh, that's somewhat what he had in mind, was uh, just sharing uh, a little bit of the uh, good... The good times, the good energy, the the feel good uh, about uh, Canada with uh, American neighbors. Would you say that's true, Marty? That's exactly it. Just getting people together and um, just 
showing the American community how warm and friendly the Canadian community is and welcoming them into our community as well as getting to know more Americans is exactly what we do. And in, in, in a, a nutshell, uh, how would you describe uh, the event that's taking place tomorrow, which begins at noon, if I'm not mistaken, at, at Meehan's here in Atlanta, or and in Sandy Springs more specifically? Correct. How would you uh, characterize what that event will be? Um, it, it doors open at noon, and during the day it's a very family-centric event. We'll have uh, arts and crafts for kids, uh, some street hockey for, for the young guys and girls, um, we have some face painters and very Canadian-centric menu. Uh, some Canadian singers inside inside the bar throughout the day, and then that transitions more in the evening to a bit more of a a rambunctious party. I guess is a good way to say it. More of a party, eh? It's a big <laughs> it's a big party, eh? And everybody's welcome. Well, um, uh, Nadia. Tell us a little bit about uh, what uh, what your ro- role will be in the course of the the day's events tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, and I say this with regret, deep regret in my heart that I will miss the rambunctious party part of the <laughs> of the evening because, as it so happens, tomorrow I leave for Canada for for um, for our yearly outreach. Uh, event in, in in Canada, so I will be there during the day um, to check out you know some of the, the some of the festivities. I have a young daughter myself, so that family friendliness of of the afternoon will bode well for myself and my family. Uh, and then I'll take a few words mid afternoon around three p.m. Uh, to say thank you mostly uh, to Marty and his leadership for this event um, and his team, and to welcome everybody who's there to the event. And uh, and to welcome them to, to to enjoy the rest of the evening. I want to turn back to the uh, the uh, economic uh, big picture uh, between the U.S. and Canada. And without getting again into the uh, political climate, uh, I think that this has been one of the most special relationships for over 150 years, and that the magnitude of the economic relationship is is really uh, quite awesome. Can can you tell us a little bit about uh, how many uh, goods and services the Canadians are purchasing from the U.S. and vice versa, what uh, uh, that Absolutely. amount might be between the U.S. Absolutely. and Canada? You know, I, I will give you uh, a stat that to me is the most powerful in terms of illustrating just how large the relationship is, the magnitude of the relationship. So Canada and the United States trade on average $1.3 million in goods and services every minute of every day. $1.3 million worth of stuff and services crosses our borders every minute of every day of the week. If that's not a gee whiz number, I'm not sure I know what is. Um, continue, exactly. please. Exactly. Nearly 9 million jobs in the United States depend on trade and investment with Canada. And Canada is, you know, the the number one, um, Canadians are the number one group of people who visit the, the United States. So Canadian travelers spend on average 
$16 billion in the United States annually. Um, and so those are, you know, facts and figures that we've compiled, along with our U.S. friends, uh, over the years to illustrate just um, just how important and deep the relationship is. You know, and I don't want to put you on the spot because really you're not, your, your function is not that of an economist, but uh, do, do we have an idea of what kinds of uh, uh, products uh, and services Canadians are typically buying from the U.S.? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, 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 I'm happy, to, happy to talk about that a little bit. So the, the interesting thing is that we buy and sell to each other pretty much the same types of things. So it's automobiles and automobile parts and other transportation products, clothes and apparel, paper and paper products, plastics and plastic products. And when we talk about plastic and plastic products and a lot of the other sort of paper and paper products, a lot of those things are what we call intermediary goods or inputs. Um, and that means that you know, a lot of the times, American companies will be buying things from Canada that they then use to put into larger products that they are actually making and assembling right here in the United States. And I say that because it's illustrative of the point that a lot of the things that Americans <coughs> buy from Canada are actually used to help American companies make things that they then re-export to other countries, um, which then, of course, creates jobs um, and economic growth right here in, in your great country. The uh, $1.3 uh, million every minute, that's going to remain the uh, G-Wiz number uh, uh, yeah. for, uh, yeah, tweet for it the out. week. Hashtag $1.3 million. <laughs> and, and, you know... Listeners uh, of, of the Business Hour uh, know quite well that uh, the program could just as well be called the Professional Hour because we profile not only organizations, but also uh, we drill down a little bit into uh, the individual. And I want to talk for a moment about you personally. Uh, you have a uh, interesting uh, path that you uh, took, uh, and your your DNA is quite international. Uh, how did you come to, uh, you know, this is something you could spend a lot of time talking about, but uh, give us a brief description of how you, of what your course was as a child and then later as an adult and then uh, someone who became involved in international affairs and eventually became uh, uh, a council general. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in Ottawa, Ontario, um, from parents who immigrated to Canada when they were young teenagers um, from a little island uh, in the Caribbean called St. Lucia. I've been there. Uh, sorry? I've been there. I had a delightful ah. time in St. Lucia. Ah, I actually <laughs> I had my honeymoon there, so I, I, I've been there, been there too. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the prettiest uh, of the, uh, the West Indies islands, I it, might add. It is. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, so my dad was actually an economist, uh, and I grew up as a child, um, you know, having a love of all things international and all things business-related, um, partly because of his work, but partly just because, um, you know, I always just had, had an affinity for it. And I, I don't know, I was the kid who, you know, had the lemonade stand out there in, in the summer and 
was always interested in knowing kind of where things came from and where things were made and you know it was just an interest of mine um, and another interest of mine was helping people um, and especially learning a little bit about how Canada as a country, as I got older, how Canada as a country had an international footprint and how as a country we were helping people around the world, um, not just in developing countries necessarily, but also helping in developed countries to create institutions and systems um, such as the United Nations and the World Trade Organization that really helped create an international platform um, that governed the rules of how countries got along with each other. Well, so I always had an interest in that. You, you certainly so I, I went to law school uh, after high school, finished law school and realized I didn't want to be a lawyer, uh, so decided to come back home and do my master's in international affairs with a concentration in international trade. And that's how I joined um, what here in the United States is called uh, the State Department. Uh, in Canada, we actually have what I like to call a mega department. So it's one department called Global Affairs, and it brings together the equivalent of your State Department, your Department of Commerce, and USAID. So we have all of that in one department called Global Affairs. Well, you've certainly done a very good job of uh, integrating your, your interests in helping people and your, uh, your skill set uh, in uh, foreign affairs. And Nadia, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us in this first uh segment of the business hour and we'll we'll just have to have you come back because there's uh lots that we can talk about but uh i think it's important for people to note that uh the awful of the office of the consulate uh, general uh is an office designed to help uh canadians in the u.s and americans uh that that want to have uh a, a business presence or to visit canada and i i thank you for your service Thank you very much, Ron. I look forward to coming back, and we'll see everybody tomorrow at noon, Atlanta Fest. That's right. I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. See you. Cheers. Cheers. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
Welcome back to the Business Hour. My name is Ron Camacho, and today we have been talking about the uh, very special relationship between the United States and Canada, and to underscore uh, the the special nature of that relationship, we're going to talk to Marty Seed, uh, who was the creator of the Atlanta Canada Fest uh, when he uh, pulled together a group of Canadians to form uh, ATL Canadians, uh, a network of Canadians living here in Atlanta, or living or working. And we're also going to be talking with Hafiz Fazal of the Four Score Capital Partners uh, group of Raymond James, the uh, investment advisory group, uh, who will be uh, taking part in the event and uh, who is a major sponsor of the event, uh, uh, actually the named uh, sponsor for the event. So uh, again, uh, Marty and Hafiz, uh, welcome to the Business Hour. Thanks again, Ron. Thanks for having us. Or maybe we can call it the Business Half Hour now. Uh, <laughs> The Canadian Fest, uh, the Atlanta Canada Fest, rather, uh, Marty, how did you uh, conceive of, of of this event? I mean, uh, you you um, you could have just uh, had a big uh, 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 beer bash and uh, and called it uh, the uh, Canada Fest, and and that might have been what it was in the early years. But tell us a little bit about uh, what went into the original uh, concept. Well, you kind of nailed it on the head. That's exactly how the first Canada Fest was. It was a big beer bash at the uh, Red Brick Brewery. Um, Back in 2005, we were at a a local concert. A Canadian band named Tragically Hip was here. And uh, I was talking to a friend, and we we were looking around, and we were meeting all these Canadians. I'm like, how do we find, find out when Canadian bands are coming to town? And uh, I toyed with the idea and decided to create a website that would be a social networking group for expat Canadians. And out of that, a good friend of mine who was one of the primary partners at Red Brick Brewery, we decided to have a Canada Fest. And that year it happened to be on July 1st, Canada's birthday. And so we had a, a big party there. And from there, just over the years, it, it blossomed and worked uh, with a partnership with the Meehan's group and the second one was at Sandy Springs um, was there for seven years and then we had it in Atlantic Station for six years and now we're back in Sandy Springs. So uh, w- would tomorrow's event be the 14th annual or Thir- the 13th? 13th annual, yep. okay. Um, that's really uh, a, a, a a pretty uh, strong uh, uh, track record. Uh, a lot of events uh, that are similar uh, don't stand the test of time. So uh, kudos to you for uh, keeping it together. Well, it's it's been great. It's grown from maybe 50 to 100 people the first time, and now we're anywhere from 500 to 800 people every year. And um, honestly, we, we couldn't do it without help with uh, partners like Hafiz at Fourscore Capital, and uh, the Canadian Consulate as well with with Nadia's support. You know, you touched on um, what 
people might experience when they come to them. Let's let's review uh, some of the details of tomorrow's event, uh, which begins at noon, uh, and and has uh, grown well beyond a a beer bash. Uh, I don't know if you had the uh, Council General of Canada at the first uh, event, but you might have. Uh, we did for, yeah, they came by. Okay, um, but you probably didn't have uh, um, a hockey or. Uh, um, no, we, what, we didn't have all the stuff we have now. Yeah, talk about that. Tell us about what people can expect. Uh, during the day, it's very family-oriented. We'll, we'll have street hockey for the young young guys and girls. Um, we also have some arts and crafts for the, for the kids. Um, a face painter will be there. Um, we have some acoustic singers inside the pub tomorrow. It's an inside, indoor, and outdoor event. Uh, so no no need to worry about rain if it does rain. It should spit a little bit throughout the day. Uh, we have a very Canadian-centric menu, uh, Canadian music all day, and uh, then, then moving on into the evening, we have two great bands coming down. Well, one coming down from Buffalo, the Strictly Hip, and then a local band, Electric Avenue, which is uh, great 80s and 90s music. Uh, headed up by uh, a local guy who's originally from Canada, Kevin Spencer. And uh, we'll be going pretty much all day, all night. You also mentioned to me in a conversation uh, prior to the program that you would have some Canadian beers. One of my favorite dimensions of uh, any uh, uh, beer bash Uh t- Name a couple of the beers that we'll have. Uh, our primary Canadian beer will be Labatt Blue tomorrow. Um, we, we should have some Unibrew in the fridge as well. Uh, great Quebec beer. And, uh, of course, some def- definitely some Canadian whiskeys and Crown Royal. We don't want to forget about the whiskeys. No, no. Um, Huffies, you... Um, you must have been instrumental in getting uh, the folks over at uh, Fourscore Capital Partners to uh, recognize this as a, as, a, as a good event to, to have a presence at. Uh, tell me why you uh, uh, thought this m- might be a worthy event to, to help sponsor. Uh, and you can include the fact that you're Canadian, A. Eh? Uh, but uh, tell us about... Uh, what uh, when you first became aware of it, and when you thought, oh yeah, this would be good uh, to sponsor? Sure, um, I met uh, Marty Seed almost since the inception of uh, Canada Fest. Um, I was missing Canada, and uh, went online and found the Atlanta Canadians, and it's a social networking group. And um, he was instrumental in in making sure that there was a meetup every quarter. So I'd go to the meetups. Uh, happy hour meetups, and we get a good chance to to meet other professionals, Canadians living in in Atlanta, um, and really was I looked forward to it. Um, you know, every every quarter I looked forward to to going there and meeting people that are you know that were Canadians living in the southeast. Um, it's a privilege right now to be able to be a sponsor of uh, of Canada Fest. Um, Marty does. So much work that nobody realizes how much he does, um, and the fact that uh, you know Fourscore Capital Partners uh, is able to just you know put in a little bit of uh, of funds to help the help the Canada Fest go, I think is is something we're we're, we're very privileged to be able to do. 
Marty, um, you have a, a group of hundreds uh, that are actually uh, somewhat more than card-carrying members of ATL uh, Canadians. Uh, tell us about uh, the size of the group. Um, and uh, and my assumption is that there are, are, are probably uh, a few thousand uh, Canadians in the metro Atlanta area, but uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, we, we keep getting more members every month, but... Um our, our primary website is www.atlcanadians.com, and on there we have 1,800 members. And then on our Facebook group, we have about 700 members. Um, I don't have the actual numbers, but I would say there's probably close to 5,000 Canadians in, in the greater Atlanta area. If not more, it might be, yeah, it might be a, a number that's higher than that. Uh, we've got a few uh, Canadian flags uh, along with American flags in my uh, neighborhood, my very uh, neighborhood. Um, so let's talk about uh, yourselves professionally for a bit. Okay. One, one, one thing that uh, listeners uh, of the Business Hour to the Business Hour uh, find endlessly fascinating is. Uh, how professionals got to where they are today. Um, in, in this case, uh, both geographically and, and professionally, what the career path is that you took. Uh, and uh, Hafiz uh, Fazal, you're uh, an investment and financial advisor with the Four Score uh, Capital Partners Group of Raymond James. Uh, what brought you to the United States uh, for the first time uh, how did you uh, decide that you would uh, uh, go to college in the in the U.S. and 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 and, and how did becoming uh, a resident uh, of Atlanta how did all that all evolve? Sure, great question. I'm actually going to start even further back than that. Um, I was uh, I was born in East Africa, Mombasa, Kenya. Um, we have four generations that were from there. Um, in the early to mid-70s, um, Idi Amin was in power, and there was a lot of political unrest. And the way I understand it, my mother looked at my father and said, um, I think we should look at moving somewhere um, other than being here. And um, the opportunity arose from a visa standpoint to move to Canada. So we moved to Canada in 1975. Mm-hmm. I was barely uh, barely one and a half. Um, you know, as, as my wife uh, asked my mother all the time, she says, you go from the coast of East Africa to the frozen tundra of Canada. Uh, we were supposed to actually settle in, in, in Vancouver, and that's where most of my extended family is. Uh, but my mom really enjoyed how small Calgary was, and therefore we settled in, in, uh, in Calgary. Um, so grew up in Calgary. Um, my father had a, had a tennis background and a cricket background and um, started me in tennis. Um, he was my first coach. Um, saw that I had some ability. Um, I got some results and uh, handed me over to a, uh, a local club in Calgary. Uh, ended up playing national tennis, being the national ranked junior in Canada. And um, Canada does not have... Um, any collegiate tennis, uh, and therefore, uh, you know, when you're in Canada and you play tennis, and even internationally when you play tennis, when you're looking to play university tennis or college tennis, um, it happens in the U.S. 
And uh, I looked at a few different schools, um, and to be quite honest, uh, ended up going to Indiana State University because they gave me a full ride. Um, great school, had a great time, and uh, finished off with my degree in uh, economics, international business. Uh, completed my degree, went back to Canada uh, for, for a little bit, um, ended up getting my Canadian securities license, and was actually going to start uh, practicing the wealth management side in Canada, but still had a huge affinity to tennis and, and, and really enjoyed um, being around it. And so I had the opportunity to move to Chicago uh, to uh, work as a tennis professional uh, for a company called Tennis Corporation of America. So I worked with them for a couple of years. Um, an opportunity came to move down south uh, to Atlanta. They uh, had a club uh, called Athletic Club at Windy Hill here in Atlanta. Um, and I took over as the racket sports director, um, basically overseeing tennis, racquetball, and squash. Ran the tennis program, um, all the racket sports, also did teach a little bit. Did that for um, almost 10 years um, and then made the move over to wealth management we're gonna we're gonna take a break and when we come back i'm gonna have you pick up on your Please. transition to uh, wealth management and financial advisory services um we're here with marty seed uh and hafiz uh, fazal we've been talking about the uh canada fest and we're drilling down into their professional backgrounds we'll be back to talk with both of them right after this break the disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Aziz Fazal of the Fourscore Capital Partners uh, of the Raymond James financial management organization and also um, with Marty Seed. Uh, Marty is the founder of the ATL Canadians uh, network organization here in Atlanta and also the Atlanta Canada Fest. Um, And we were talking before the break with 
uh, Haviz about his background. Um, again, um, you have a very international background. Uh, eventually, coming to the United States uh, from Canada after uh, um, moving there as a as a young child and 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 having tennis skills. I I don't think a lot of people know that, uh, and, and I I didn't want to interrupt you, but uh, I agree with you. Uh, there's not a lot of um, college tennis outside the United States. You know, there's some university tennis, uh, you know, in the in the UK, but uh, basically I think that the U.S. Uh, college, the colleges are the, uh, the foremost farm club for professional players. I mean, a lot of them come through the ranks without ever playing college tennis, uh, just like other sports, but definitely a lot of uh, NCAA uh, players um, are brought up through the college farm system. Absolutely. I, I think back to my college tennis team, um, and there were two Americans plus myself, and we had a team of uh, 12 players. So uh, a big international presence, whether it be Swedish, British, um, Latin American, um, you know, there was a lot of international flavor, and it was it was a lot of fun. And that's probably not unlike a lot of schools. That Very what you true. just what you just described. Uh, there's always a a few uh, Swedish players and uh, a growing number of South American and players from uh, the UK, um, and uh, a growing number from Eastern European countries. Now you're in the U.S. You're uh, director of racket sports at the. Uh, Windy Hill uh, Sporting Club, and you're going to make the transition into wealth management and financial uh, advisory services. Tell us a little bit about that and how you ended up with um, the uh, Four Score Capital Partners, uh, which is related uh, to or operates under the umbrella of Raymond James, the larger advisory financial advisory group. Tell us about that transition. Sure. I've been in the tennis business now um, going on to 10 years um, and really enjoyed being part of it, loved being a coach, um, and was kind of being encouraged by the company to take a middle management uh, role and and run a club. And uh, I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do because I enjoyed tennis so much and I enjoyed coaching so much. Um, always been involved in the in, in the financial markets. It's always been intriguing. I've always had money in the markets, even as a even even as a young guy growing up that didn't have a didn't have a whole lot of money. Um, and the tipping point is an interesting tipping point. Marty will like this. I was actually uh, on the tennis court um, teaching Zidnik, uh who played for the Thrashers uh, years ago. And um, a ball rolled over from a court uh, beside me, and I didn't see it. Um, I rolled my ankle and ended up landing on the back of my left hand, which is my non-hitting hand, um, and broke my hand. And uh, that was the tipping point. Um, you know, went to the orthopedic and, and uh, spoke to him. He said, look, you've broken your hand. It was, it was what was called a boxer's break. And that really made me kind of think about what I wanted to do. And I had a, a couple of colleagues um, that I that, that I knew that were that were in the business, and uh, started to do some interviewing. Ended up uh, landing with a firm called Morgan Keegan, um, and uh, it was a great transition. Uh, uh, Morgan Keegan merged with Raymond James five years ago, and we are now Raymond James, based out of St. Petersburg, uh, Florida. 
And uh, my group, um, Four Score Capital Partners, is it's me and three partners that have kind of gotten together and and and, and manage manage money with the same philosophy. And the rest is history, um, because you've uh, been uh, working uh, with the Fourscore Group for a while, and uh, um, my guess is that uh, with sort of humble beginnings, uh, you said you didn't have much money. Uh, you probably became a personal, uh, a smart personal uh, money manager, and uh, you probably carry that over into advising people uh, about being equally. Uh, Smart and uh, and in a moment we'll, we'll 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 try to get back and talk a little bit about uh, how how you do that uh, with uh, Fourscore Capital Partners, but I want to turn to to Marty because Marty you uh, this program has had some really interesting professionals from uh, the top uh, aerobatic pilots in the world the the very best national and international uh, uh, champions. Um, we've had special uh, forces and Navy SEALs, uh, members of the military. We've had surgeons, uh, uh, pulmonology surgeons who specialize in lung transplants. There are also singer-songwriters um, and so we've had people that do some interesting things and very often are juggling um, more than one set of professional skills and maybe more than one professional job, um, but with uh, sometimes um, successfully uh, juggling and parlaying um, a couple of things um, that um, provide them with... Uh, We'll call it sustenance, and and Marty, you're no exception to that. You uh, you juggle a couple of interesting things, and uh, that 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 you've managed to uh, parlay uh, into uh, utilizing uh, one position in particular um, with the uh, Canada Fest. Um, but tell us about what you do um, professionally, and uh, then. Uh, come back to uh, talking about how you uh, integrated uh, um, w- one role that you play with uh, the Canada Fest. Well, first off, that, that's a hard act to follow after the, the pilots and the surgeons and all that. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, in reality, um, the juggling act that you perform for a lot of people, um, because, you know, I said we've had on this program some folks who have uh, done some really interesting things professionally. Um, the vast majority of Canadians and Americans uh, punch in, punch out, you know, go to work, uh, have one primary job, don't get a chance to uh, live abroad, to uh, have a, uh, a position um, that they focus on professionally, have ownership in a restaurant group, which you do. And so let me let you pick up on, uh, on, on your juggling act. Well, um, by day I work as a data analyst for a company called CoStar Group, which is a, a listing service for commercial and retail real estate. And I'm also involved with the Meehans in Sandy Springs as a minority partner. And on the other side, I, I run the ATL Canadians Group and have been doing that for 13 years as well now. 
Um, Which started off as a hobby and has turned into... (laughs) It started off as a hobby and now it's pretty much a part-time job. Um, But in the past, growing up in, in Canada from when I was 18 to 28, I was constantly in the bar business as starting as a bouncer and working as a manager, a general manager, as a bartender. I've always... 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. We got a little uh, audio glitch here. No problem. Um, uh, Yeah, continue on, Marty. I've always um, enjoyed being kind of in the middle of things and and doing promotions and being in the bar business and and working with people. So my my day job kind of keeps me behind the computer a lot. And getting back into the bar business was, was great for me um, to keep me going, but also working with the ATL Canadians group. It, it's, it's been so rewarding to me to bring the community together where in, in the past, before I started this, the, the Canadian consulate was was the main point of contact for everyone and and they have their fingers in so many different things so it was hard for them to do community stuff as much as I could do it so I kind of took over not not so much took over but assumed that role as kind of the community guy for uh, expats in in the greater Atlanta area and it's just built that way it, it's got to be pretty self-satisfying to have um, what I refer to as a, as a, a professional juggling act uh, and there are a lot of waiters um, bartenders and uh, uh, bouncers that would love to one day have a minority interest group in, 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 in such a respected restaurant group as the uh, Meehan's group and uh, you've done that um, I, I I think we've come to the end of the the program. I apologize. We'll have to have no both problem. of you back on the program, but hopefully, we shared with listeners uh, a little bit about uh, Canada Fest. And um, again, just Google Canada Fest, Atlanta Canada Fest. You'll learn more about the event taking place tomorrow here in Sandy Springs at Meehan's, beginning at noon. Thank you so much, uh, Javiz, and Thanks thank you, uh, Marty, for being on the program. Thank you. Appreciate it, America. Want to repeat that? Stay classy, America. Stay classy, America. Yeah, uh, a good thought. You've been listening to America's Web Radio and the Business Hour. We're on from 10 to 11 a.m. on Fridays. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio and the Internet next week. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. 
Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making